Anthology, a Chumbawamba Anthology podcast. On this podcast, we are digging song by song, album by album, through the discography of one of the most overlooked bands of all time, Chumbawamba. And on this week, we're starting a brand new album, Chumbawamba's sixth studio album, and a personal favorite of, of ours, Anarchy. It is only the fifth album that we are covering, if you're paying any attention to the last, what, 50 episodes we've done so far. But uh, it's their sixth one overall. So we're kicking things off with the the title track on this, Give the Anarchist a Cigarette. Uh, I guess it's not the title track, it is track one. <laughs> That's not what that means. Yeah, the, word, the word anarchy is there. Yeah, it's, it's almost there. <laughs> it's a semi-title track. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this week we are joined by our friend and uh, special guest, uh, Dom. From uh, Real Dominic Incorporated. So how's it going, Dom? <laughs> uh, it's going super well. I'm in my little what normally is recording vocals, like moving blanketed area of basement. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> we love having people on the show who are like singers in bands or like recording artists because they have <laughs> equipment to record with. Hell the yeah. Very, uh, like the first two people we had um, guests on the show ever were our friends Rudy and Sean, who were lovely people to have on the show, but I'm pretty sure both of them were just recording directly into laptop mics. Oh yeah. And Classic. Sean didn't even wear headphones when he recorded. <laughs> I think, oh my god. I think I think Sean had headphones, but it was like his computer was like adaptive, so he kept lowering yeah. the volume, but then the mic kept like picking it up louder and louder. That it was, was it was goofy shit. That so. was yeah. that was your nightmare to edit, luckily. Yeah. <laughs> That's low lo fi podcasting, baby. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, it's it's about the it's about it's the content, movement. not the technique. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> my my uh, recording interface died on me, so I am coming to you live uh, via a headset mic that my job gave me a week before they fired me. So nice thanks, thanks gamer the style. Package. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. True gamer hours over here. <laughs> So, Dom, we like to, every time we have someone on the show, we like to kick things off by asking, what, if any, experience do you have with Chumbawamba? Um, initially, I, I mean, obviously, you know, Tom Thumping, the song. Yeah, yeah. Have have played it in, in DJ sets before. Um, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, okay, actually, so... Um, I mean, I, I am of the Ice Age level age of 30 years old. And so <laughs> um, when I was like first, like, okay, I think, okay, the first punk, quote unquote, punk music that I heard was I borrowed, I just, my brother had one of those like CD flip, like a bunch of CD binders kind of oh, things. Oh, fuck yeah. And I took <laughs> what was apparently... I mean, not apparently. What was, as it turns out, to be Sublime's self-titled album. Um, <laughs> I brought, I put in my CD player and listened to it on the way to a soccer tournament in like seventh grade. And I think it's track four or one of those tracks is the song that has like distorted guitars and really fast drums. And I was like, "Fuck, this is the best possible <laughs> music to listen to." And then, so like, and then, and this was like LimeWire soul seek type um days of listening to music and so i kind of just kind of like through like downloading like just a bunch slowly kind of like developed listening to punk through that and eventually figured out found out about anarcho punk because by this point i was like 16 when like kind of like the there's i feel like there's multiple 
eras of anarchism and obviously we'll probably talk about this more via the albums called anarchy but like <laughs> there's a 16 year old version of anarchist and then yes. there's like a like you know someone with a analysis of political economy and the way that power permeates society version of anarchist but so i yeah. found out about anarcho-punk and i and th- there's just like a website that was like here's a list of anarcho-punk bands um <laughs> Most of which were like aus rotten and like nausea and shit. But then mm-hmm. Chumbawamba was on there. And I remember I never like was able to find a Chumbawamba. I don't know why. I just like never bothered to find a Chumbawamba song and actually listen to it. But I like knew them as an anarcho punk band and then heard the song and was like, oh, this is like if I was 16 and I was like, hell yeah, time to put on some anarcho punk music and like Tub Thumping came on, I'd be like, this is. A st- <laughs> This is not what I'm looking for. I probably would have been like, this is fucking stupid. Like, oh, this is not hard. This doesn't, this isn't, this isn't brutal. (laughs) This this isn't, this doesn't make me want to beat someone up. Yeah, exactly. This This isn't, this isn't toxic narcotic. What the fuck? (laughs) It's funny that you say that they were like specifically labeled as like an anarchist, like punk band. I mean, technically they are. But um, I was in the research for today's episode. I ended up on like the Wikipedia entry for the single "Enough Is Enough," um, which mm. is later on the album, uh, which is like a uh, collaboration track between Chumbawamba and Credit to the Nation, and it is specifically labeled on Wikipedia as an anti-fascist single. Wow! Like, and that's like a thing <laughs> that they like link to, and it's just like I guess so. I wonder who yeah. is just like I need everyone to know that this song. Anti-fascist. Yeah, yeah. The oh. song where they say "Give the fascist man a gunshot" yeah. is anti-fascist. <laughs> Who would have I love talking to people. Something that I really like about your story, Dom, is the fact that you got into punk music because of Sublime. <laughs> I love talking to people about like their first punk band. Mine was Blink One Eighty Two when I was like seven years old. Hell yeah! <laughs> what about yours, Teddy? Do you remember? I think it was. Oh, I was going to say Green Day, but it definitely wasn't Green Day. It was Good Charlotte. I had a... Uh, even better. <laughs> what's it? The uh, the Young and the Restless, the Young and the Hopeless, whatever. That was one of the first CDs I bought in uh, alongside two different Weird Al CDs. Oh, God. <laughs> I've been going through that a fucking... hard Weird Al phase. Yeah. That yeah. was, like, I'm pretty sure, like, the only thing I listened to from, like, probably, like, third, fourth grade until, like seventh grade and then i made (laughs) i made friends with someone who listened to actual punk music because they had an older sibling and they were like oh you should check out the dead kennedys and then i feel like that's Mm -hmm. kind of like cheating Mm -hmm. like (laughs) the shortcut yeah yeah it's like it's like from a very young age not to like flex and be like "Ooh, i was listening to punk before anyone else but it's like (laughs) i I, like listen to like green day and then whatever and then i immediately skipped to like having like a copy of fresh fruit for rotting veg like burned for me (laughs) hell yeah which i feel like i mean uh, like yeah like dead kennedys is definitely like a 16 year old me type band um but i feel like a lot of their analysis of the of the world that they talk about in their songs is like 
We're living in the Dead Kennedys reality. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I made this joke a while ago, but you kind of sit there and there's like periods in your life, as you said, where you're like a 16-year-old anarchist and then you come back around to it. But the same thing happens with the Dead Kennedys, but it's like a, <laughs> it's like a horseshoe theory thing where you're like 16, you listen to the Dead Kennedys and you're like, man, the Dead Kennedys were fucking right about everything. And then you hit like yeah. 21, 22, and you're like, well, actually, like you can't just murder your landlord. That's that's illegal. Like I, I have a big brain. I voted for joe biden and then it wraps around again when you hit like 25 26 and you're like i would love to murder my fucking landlord yeah exactly (laughs) well like the album the album anarchy itself i was looking it up on wikipedia and they were talking about that uh like the the originally the cover was just like a baby being born yeah Um, oh yeah. yeah and like i mean it's not even like as far as images of babies being born, it's not even the most like, whoa, that's really wow. That's what it fucking looks no, like. Holy really. shit. Like, cause there are certainly some depictions of babies that make childbirth, like look more or less appealing. Um, mm-hmm. and like, like thinking about like, like dead Kennedy's and like 16 year old version of anarchism of being kind of just like, kind of just like, yeah, we want to offend like, we want to offend the sensibilities of like the establishment or whatever. And like, mm-hmm. kind of like how crass also did that kind of stuff too. Crass. Yeah. Crass is not good band, not good music. <laughs> not, not like people compare, people compare Chumbawamba and crass all the time because they were, they came from the same scene around the same time. Chumbawamba is an infinitely better. Yeah. Band. <laughs> yeah. They, they make music that you put on and you're like, I like this. I'll continue to listen and not just like damn please like no more of this i i have like like a a soft spot in my heart for crass because i grew up like listening to crass when i was like 14 15 but i remember like trying to revisit it like recently and i was like oh god like this is like really not great the the exception (laughs) there is they did an album called penis envy where it was like a, a feminist album so their main singer wasn't on it at all and they had all female vocalists and it's actually listenable and it's wow. just like it's a, the original like giving a platform uh exactly yeah but um so jeffrey lewis did a album a few years ago where he covered crass songs but in like the jeffrey lewis style of like kind of like whimsical like oh yeah folk. i remember yeah. listening to that and being like oh this is what it feels like to get old like <laughs> like <laughs> Like, finally, someone someone turned down the music and made folk versions of all these anarcho-punk songs for me to listen, listen to. Listen, if Chumbawamba is to be, uh, is to be evidence, um, if you stay alive long enough as a punk, you eventually just become either a folk singer or someone who listens to folk music. Yeah, so or a playwright. <laughs> or, a pl- or a playwright, which is what, like, two-thirds of Chumbawamba became after they broke wow. up the band. Yeah. <laughs> There are at least there are at least two former Chumbawamba members who are now playwrights, which I find fucking hilarious. Yeah, to uh, to jump back real quick to like the album cover for Anarchy, like as you said, it is like a photo of a child being born, and it's not like super graphic, but no. like it's one of those things where like. I get that they were trying to be like purposely offensive, but also the fact that like, I mean, their reasoning behind it was why is a, a photo of a child being born offensive? Like, yeah, this totally. is like the, the most human thing possible. And it's something that is apparently controversial. Yeah. So yeah. I, I like that because it, it hits on both like of the, the levels of anarchism where it's like, yeah, this is edgy, but also like it shouldn't be edgy. Like it, there, there's mm-hmm. nothing edgy about babies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
There's really nothing edgy or, like, controversial about childbirth, or at yeah. least there shouldn't be. Yeah, like, it's yeah. straight up, like, everyone exists <laughs> because, yeah. because of childbirth or, like, a what is probably... I've never, I like, I've never seen a video of a C-section, but I would assume that the C-section is, mu- is far more like graphic. Yeah, when people get C-sections, they have to recover from them for like weeks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it seems it seems invasive, an invasive yeah. form of surgery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, I I I really feel like I was thinking about this a lot today because. Uh, I was thinking about how we do, like, our own version of the album covers on every uh, album that we do for the podcast. Oh, nice. And I was like, we can't do, like, childbirth because then our podcast will get banned <laughs> from from a- Apple, Apple Podcasts and yeah. uh, Spotify. But I was thinking, like, all right, what are we going to do? And I was just like, thinking about how why they chose to do this feels like. I don't, I don't even know if this was intentional, but, like, here we are. This album came out in 1994. This is, uh, that's, what, 26 years ago. And I think about how this is kind of a big turning point for the band. Like, this is where they started to really get to the point where I felt like their political messaging and their songwriting and musical abilities were really becoming, like, the most cohesive version of what those things were going to be for, like, a solid four albums right in a row. And it's just interesting that they ended up having, like, you know, a baby being born on the album that I feel like was a big turning point for them. Yeah. I don't know if that's a metaphor for something. I don't know if it was intentional, <laughs> uh, you know, but, like, it, it, it's like it's it's like a birth of something beautiful. <laughs> totally. I mean, I don't, I, I've only heard, like, a few... <sighs> I feel like I I feel like I listened to a podcast about Chumbawamba. Um, that I'm sorry, <laughs> was but like one that was like one that was just like a podcast about neat things, you know. And they were like mm-hmm. they kind of told they had an interpretation, I guess, of Chumbawamba's history that was basically like, oh, Chumbawamba is this like you know group of anarchists who are making music, and they essentially like wanted to make the most popular music possible yeah. to kind of like spread to the working class if you will Mm -hmm. i guess um and i don't know if that's if that's like you know like that's somebody's interpretation of it or if that's like kind of the 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 official history of it but like yeah they have like their their music is like all styles of music crammed together you know it's like like it has the like it has that ska part, which like people in England fucking love ska and <laughs> reggae and shit, and like it has that that I saw I grew I went over the notes uh has that bass line that's mentioned in the notes oh yeah um and like yeah like the, it's like it is really especially for the time of like thinking about like uh you know like Brit pop and shit like that like it is it is just like all forms of music that just like generally people really like to listen to yeah 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 considering the fact that um this came out in 94 which was like around it i don't think it was the same year but it was around the same time that oasis released their first album (laughs) as as like an oasis being like like as soon as you said the word brit pop was immediately what i thought of and just thinking about how those are two bands that honestly musically Chumbawamba and Oasis are like different but kind of in the same universe yeah, of totally. music but lyrically they're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum where Chumbawamba <laughs> is talking about like social issues political content and Oasis is just like masturbatory bullshit most of the time <laughs> yeah 
so it's just interesting like like i i don't know if this band was deliberately like like their actual history was we're gonna make the most popular music we can so that we can spread our message to working class people but i totally buy that as an interpretation and i love it i think that that should be i mean i mean this is the ultimate thing of especially speaking of like 16 year old anarcho punks or whatever it's like I haven't listened to Anti-Flag in a long ass time, but like we talk about Anti-Flag on this show, I swear to you, like every third episode. I literally, I literally was listening to Anti-Flag this morning. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! So are they? I mean, well, well, a question for I guess after I was saying what I was thinking of, it's like, I mean, are they still good? But also just like listening to them, it's like from a purely propaganda perspective and like propaganda not in terms of like russian bots propaganda but like propaganda yeah, in terms yeah, of like yeah. spreading the mess spreading a political message for like awakening class consciousness or something like that like i mean i love like anti-flag probably rocks maybe but like i don't know that their particular way is the best way to do that I I don't know. Like obviously yeah. you you need all sorts of like propaganda to get all sorts of people. But like Anti-Flag were a very digestible band. They're basically like a power pop band, but all their nice. lyrics are very transparent about like how much they hate the government. So yeah. I, I could see like someone listening to Blink-182 who I mean are like a quote-unquote punk band and then popping on an anti-flag record and be like, oh, this sounds just like Blink-182, except the songs aren't about, like, masturbating and fucking my dad. They're about, (laughs) like, how the government spends money killing brown people for, like, no good reason. And it's just like... Because, I mean, that's, like... As, as you were saying before, like, the, the fact that Chumbawamba could be interpreted as, like, trying to create, like, the most popular music, there was a time where anti-flag was, like, in the style of the most popular music. Yeah, like, true. There, there I, was I guess, that heyday yeah. where like Blink One Eighty Two was like probably like the biggest band in the world besides maybe like Green Day. Like yeah, yeah. I think that Anti Flag was the band that Rise Against wanted to be, <laughs> the band that Rise Against thought they were. And what I mean by that is that they kind of played the same kind of style of like melodic, like like hard punk, but. I don't know, the thing about bands like Rise Against is that they always defer to, like, ambiguity in their lyrics because they want to have political messaging, but they can't commit to it too hard. Otherwise, like, Walmart won't sell their CD. Yeah. Rise Against Against was also, like, super into, like, animal rights and, like, straight-edge shit, which, like, I mean, appeals to two very small sects of people. I feel yeah, like, like, yeah. like, as someone who's a vegetarian, I don't give a shit if you're a vegetarian and you're fucking singing about it. It means nothing to <laughs> yeah. me. I'd rather I'm not hear like, someone. You're not like an identity. You're not like doing identity politics with vegetarian. Exactly. Like you're like, I feel it's spoken like... to finally. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so a few months ago, I went to like a vegan food convention down in Asbury, and there were a bunch of like, there was a bunch of merch for Cory Booker. This is back when Cory Booker was still a relevant person in like politics. Oh God. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> the, I, the I, dark asked, times. I asked my partner at the time, I was like, why is there so much Cory Booker shit here? And she was like, Oh, because he's a vegan. And I was like, <laughs> so what? Like who gives a shit? Like, that's like the <laughs> least important thing I would care about, of, about like a politician. Yeah. I like, was at, I was at the Iowa state fair last summer um, to see Slipknot. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. And, That's fucking sick. Um, and I, me and my friends were in line to get a 
vegetarian corn dog at the Iowa State Fair, and we got cut in line by none other than the motherfucker Cory Booker. <laughs> and like, and like, people were like, um, uh, like there was some guy in a Slipknot mask who was like yelling at him. People were kind of upset that he got he cut us all in line. And like, like a core uh, campaign guy came up to us and we're like, "What do you guys think of Cory Taylor? I mean, not Cory Taylor, um, <laughs> Cory Booker." <laughs> Um, and we were like, we don't like him. He's a shill. Like he's nobody. And then, <laughs> and then life moved on and we watched. Hey, hold um, on a second. Hold on a second. Y'all. Sorry. Okay. Hey, sorry. Y'all. I need to step away for a second. My partner's trying to open our front door and it won't open. Yeah. Take your time. <laughs> sorry. Be right back. <laughs> oh, no. Dan's getting forcibly quarantined. <laughs> this is how it starts. I mean, thinking about, I guess this may be a point that we should bring back one stands actually in the zone. But, um, speaking of like political bands and shit, like, I mean, obviously system of down is a political band and shit, but the pure, like just, but like prison song, the way that they're just like, Hey, here's some just facts and statistics about the global hey, drug trade. Um, I, I need to take, I need to un like take my doorknob off. I think so. I'll be back in like five minutes. Okay. Take your time. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> Good luck. We were we were literally just talking about System of a Down with Elio this morning. He's been just sitting on his couch and watching System of a Down live sets all day. <laughs> Hell yeah. Wow. Yeah. He, uh, he is on summer vacation and does not know what to do with his life now that he's stuck in quarantine like the rest of us. Yeah. I mean, he was stuck in quarantine before, but at least he had a purpose before to like teach. And now he's just like, oh, God, I have so many hours of the day to kill. Was he teaching via Zoom and shit? Yeah, he was doing... I don't know if it's Zoom. I think they use, like, Google Classroom and shit. Yeah. Like, from what I understand, is it pretty much, like... I think he did, like, face-to-face shit with his students just because he wanted to. But for the Mm -hmm. most part, like, teachers were pretty much just, like, sending kids, like, reading lists and stuff and being like, here you go. Like, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. God. The crisis. (laughs) The ever-unfolding crisis. The crisis on top of crisis on top of crisis. I mean, it really is. We are really truly living in the in in the world of Trumbawamba. Like, yeah, just <laughs> just just like the the overlapping and horrendous crises that are like unfolding before us is a very is a very Chumbawamba subject matter. It really is like a, so glaringly apparent how many of our country systems were based on such incredibly fragile systems that as soon as something as simple as hey, there's like a virus going around, literally just like destroyed America. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I mean, I was like, yeah, I was talking to my roommate the, today because she was talking about like maybe needing to go to the doctor and like, like, could the doctor thinking about. The doctor before coronavirus was like no one could afford to go to the doctor anyway, and nowadays it's like uh like the just like the the amount of stress involved in like even thinking about like interacting with the medical world it's like so yeah. stressful and brutal and just like it's just like I cannot imagine a worse way for society to be organized yeah. <laughs> you know like it's fucking inconceivable like my my mom had to go to like like detox during uh fucking 
coronavirus and oh. was like telling me about like the process of it i was like that this sounds like hell like why couldn't we have done anything different like like yeah. the, the way everything is set up is just so fucking messy for no reason other than to make like 12 people a bunch of more money yeah i mean hey uh what is the lyrics? Every fire needs a little bit of help. Exactly. Our our help with <laughs> coronavirus, apparently. Yeah. God damn. Coronavirus and then George Floyd getting killed really just collapsed this entire fucking country. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised at how well America is holding up. I really thought like we were gonna get like like crazy collapse a lot sooner than this. Like in the early days of coronavirus, when like they were like trying to like oh yeah give stocks up, like, were. <laughs> Yeah, when oil was like a negative amount and like there was that was fucking what the fuck happened there? And fucking there was I watched like an interview with uh, the governor of California where he called California a nation state and said that they would not be like accepting like jurisdiction from the federal government anymore. I was like, this is it, this is it, baby. Like America breaking apart, and then it just kind of got shoved under the rug, and it's like, yeah, that's the weird thing. That's the weird thing. Is it's like it's like. Every, every time you're like, you're like, this is it. It somehow is like, not, it's like, it's like, it's constantly collapsing and just like the shambling, like idiot corpse is just like, just lurching onward and onward and onward. Yeah. Even like conceiving of it in things, in terms of like, like life and death is like not necessarily because it's like it's an empire and like a system and not like a person or whatever yeah i mean we'll we'll time will only tell how much longer we can shimmy our way (laughs) in this like death spiral yeah because like things things are getting bad again in portland like i like oh yeah people have we'll, we'll talk about it a little later on when we talk about like we do the leftism of the week segment but it's like nice. like things got like not better but i mean people stopped paying attention to the protests because they weren't like burning down like police precincts anymore which i mean in my opinion is just proof that you should be burning down police precincts oh yeah but um now that that's happening again people are like oh yeah like the fact that like this is like i think it's like what like the 57th day in a row that portland has been protesting and like yeah, like no, a hundred, and I mean, it does seem like, it does seem like, I don't know, it's like, it seems pretty irrational for, like, the police state to, to, like, escalate in the way that they do, because it never fucking works. Yeah. Like, like, what does work is what happened in New York, which I can talk about in depth more later, but is, which is to get a bunch of infiltrators and, like, NGOs and liberals who think that they're doing the right thing to cooperate with the police, lead them into kettles, and, uh, like, splinter them off from each other, and make them walk over bridges, which takes like an hour and a half and literally does absolutely nothing. Yeah. The de-escalation that New York has been doing is like, like straight out of like a fascist like playbook. Oh like yeah. A no. Smart, a smart fascist. Whereas Portland is like a dumb fascist too. Exactly. Like, like, it's like, like, bro, don't you realize you're just making it like you yeah. are like the people, <sighs> this is not going to make them stop. Like you gotta be like, that's the thing. Like for, 
like as as like brutal and like you know kind of like statistics based and like dehumanizing so much of capitalism is that's just like oh yeah the number is good for us so we do it or whatever it's like the like the brutality of the crackdown in portland seems like counterintuitive for their own like for the like the managed and like yeah, just like the managed slow immiseration of everybody, which seems like the best that capital can get right now. You know, like like capital will like the utopia of capitalism will never come back or like no. golden age or whatever. It's like it's basically just a managed descent that like yeah. <laughs> that can that <laughs> can burn. Exactly. And like and like doing something that's just so showing your like brutal police hand as what they're doing in Portland it's just like that's not that's not the like rational like ah the investors like this will like I don't know it it's just it seems obviously it's rational to like bloodthirsty militaristic pigs so like I guess it makes sense but yeah. in terms of like de-escalating especially for Portland because they're so liberal yeah well I mean Portland is like a weird like I don't even know what the word for it, but it's like a, like a melting pot where you have like like a bunch of like like weird like anarchists. Yeah, that's then you true, have yeah. a bunch of like keep Portland weird like liberal quasi leftists, and then you have a bunch of white nationalists. Yes, yeah, like, totally. And I, I I saw a really interesting take going around where they were pretty much saying that like the reason that all this is happening in portland is because of the like the the makeup of the people there where they have support for the violence from a larger amount of the population than they might elsewhere because yeah. it is like a predominantly white area that has a lot of like racial tensions and also has a large amount of like leftists and, and liberals and 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 like live. anarchists and like crusties and shit yeah so it, it's almost like a testing ground to see, like, okay, if we're able to, like, completely stomp this out with violence here in this, like, kind of, like, like not echo chamber, but, like, you, you do have more support for, like, violence like this in Portland than you may in, like, New York City. Yeah. Like, there's, and there's also... Not, I mean, there, there are, like, New York City Proud Boys, but I, I don't think the, the white nationalist levels in New York City, if anything, only by, like, the, the makeup of New York City are, are far less than, like, the percentage in Portland. Yeah, totally. And also, I mean, yeah, it's, like, all of the... Seems like if you're a racist in New York City, you basically are a rich guy or you're a cop <laughs> like yeah. those or are, you, those you are your Staten career Island. paths for yes exactly um <laughs> and so and like whereas like whereas like yeah and and and, and greater organ i mean not to despair i mean it's it's weird because it's like definitely you know people people shit on rural people all the time and pretend that like rural people are like somehow these like uniquely racist group of people or whatever but yeah. like but it is true that like also olympia washington does have a lot of nazis and a lot of anarchists exactly. i don't know maybe the nazis i mean this is an interesting dialectic between the white nationalists and the anarchists because like like they obviously I don't know. I mean, it's just like where where there are where there's a bunch of anarchists, like a noted anarchist community, like Portland or Olympia. There's also noted neo-Nazi 
communities. I think it's just where you, you have might. a lot of white people. Yes, that's also yeah. <laughs> the uh, because yeah, that's what yeah, I, was I was saying. Like, I I don't think like your average person, your average white person in New York City is any more or less likely to be racist than your average white person in Portland. I think there are just more white people in Portland than there are in New York City. Yeah, totally. I might also be wrong about that. I've never been to Portland. I base all of my knowledge off of Portlandia. There Portland is, is very white. Yeah, there's a lot of white people. But I, I mean, yeah. it definitely, like, I mean, there are obviously Portland rocks. And Portland is proving that they fucking rock because there have been rock yeah, I like Portland for a lot. 47, yeah. 57 days. <laughs> um, but it, and it is, I mean, you know, there are white people abound in, <laughs> in Portland. That's just, yeah. And it also has, a, obviously, it has that, like, you know, it was a sundown city. Or maybe all of Oregon was a state that didn't, like, allow black people out after dark and shit. And so it obviously has its yeah. own, like, structural racist history. Yeah. So, so I, you're, you're I, back, Dan. I'm Welcome back. back. We, we resolved our situation with the doorknob. What happened with your doorknob? Um, it, it literally, like, the doorknob became disconnected from the jam <laughs> that, um, oh. like, like the, the little mechanism that hooks the door into the jam. So the the mechanism was stuck in there, and we turned the doorknob, and nothing happened. <laughs> Nightmare. So, um, it was weird for a sec. I had to take the doorknob off the door, and for a second, we thought um, we were gonna have to call the fire department, but we did not. Thankfully, hell yeah. Yeah, I, I had um, theorized that you were getting placed under a, a forced quarantine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Caroline, my partner, goes. I guess we have to stay in here forever now, and I'm like, we already do, yeah. so it's fine. <laughs> Just have a, um, so have them throw your the groceries moment, through the window. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the moment has probably passed to make this joke about your time at the Iowa State Fair, Dom. But I really, really, really wanted to go oh, on record that I was going to say, "Do you mean to tell me that Corey Taylor and Corey Booker were in the same place at the same time?" <laughs> <laughs> they straight up were. <laughs> Apparently, I did see a video of Corey Booker speaking, like giving the stump speech that everyone gave at the Iowa State Fair, while. Yeah. Uh, Slipknot was sound check. That's <laughs> fucking incredible. My, so you can like no. hear them like checking guitars and shit while uh, while Corey Taylor's like invest in nothingness, give up everybody. <laughs> you know, doing. Or, that sounds like that sounds like something that someone would do like to upload to YouTube to one of the fucking weird like YouTube channels that we find. Yes. Um, when we dive into Chumbawamba comments. Yeah, I or like that. like the ones that are like that are like I mean the obvious one is with that uh, with All Star where it's like listening to All Star in a cave at night or it's like <laughs> yeah listening to All Star in the background listening to them sound check with All Star while Cory Booker delivers a stump speech. <laughs> So as as you know, I think you know, my my brother lives in Iowa now and was so excited to go to his like first Iowa State Fair as an uh, an Iowa resident and then he got the flu and missed Slipknot. Oh. oh. Damn. It that was sucks. it was fucking amazing. <laughs> we were we had, were sitting so far away and it fucking shredded so hard. It was <laughs> thrilling. Like when like when um like on the chorus of duality and just like everyone is just like fucking screaming it and like literally it is the thing with like the um like 
uh, one of the one of the the knots is like holding a flaming baseball bat and smashing a beer uh, like a keg, and it's just like this yeah. is this is viscerally the best shit like possible. <laughs> And Slipknot, I mean, Slipknot does not have any, Slipknot isn't, like, boosting class consciousness necessarily, but, like, they are a weirdly, like, massively beloved band for a band that makes harsh-ass music. Like, people, like, you know, millions and millions of people, they're a massively popular band that just, like, just, like, makes fucking slamming-ass, like, potentially what, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, top 40 radio interpretations of, you know, average Joe taste, it would be like, it people wouldn't expect it. Yeah. I, I love when bands who don't necessarily sound like where they should, like, quote unquote, should come from, like, blow up and become, like, the biggest fucking thing. Like, the fact that Iowa, like, Slipknot yeah. is, like, the most beloved thing from Iowa <laughs> is so fucking funny. And just, yeah. like, like... 311 is from fucking Omaha, Omaha. Nebraska, and everyone in, everyone in fucking Nebraska loves 311, too. It's yeah, like... It fucking it's rules. not one of those things where it's just like, finally, we broke out of our shell and, like, made it to the big city. It's like, no, fuck it, like... <laughs> nah, repping Omaha. Yeah. I love it. Omaha styly, baby. <laughs> Rep Des Moines yeah. for Slipknot. Hell yeah. So, now that we are approaching the 40-minute mark of uh, talking, and also <laughs> yeah. I had to go and... I, I um, figure that talking I'll, in home I'll repair. edit out me and Dom's conversation, because we were just kind of shooting the shit, and maybe we'll put it up as like a bonus episode if we ever... Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It sounded, it, sounded really, it sounded really captivating. I was sitting here for a solid like two and a half minutes before I actually chimed in, because uh, I was just like listening to Dom talk. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll put out like an abridged and then the the full length version of that. Hell yeah. <laughs> anyway, now that we're approaching whatever minute of the episode that it is, <laughs> um, uh, shall we dive into the song itself? Give the anarchist a cigarette. Yeah. Hell yeah. Let's, let's let's take a peep at those lyrics. Yeah. Oh God, I need some help understanding. These so the, I'm glad you I'm glad you asked um, because. I've loved this song for longer than I knew what it was about. I was just like, oh yeah, sick anarchy and a, <laughs> and a cool bass line and yeah. some fucking sick drums. Um, and then I learned that this song is about Bob Dylan. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. So in the 19, <laughs> what the fuck? In, in the 1967 documentary, don't look back, which is a Bob Dylan uh, documentary from like his peak years when he was touring the country. Um, there's a scene in which uh, Dylan is speaking with his manager, uh, who uh, a man by the name of Albert Grossman. And during the conversation, Grossman tells Dylan that people are calling Dylan an anarchist because of his left-leaning political songs, uh, to which Dylan replies, give the anarchist a cigarette, and then takes a cigarette from Grossman. Um, and I guess Chumbawamba just used that phrase as a jumping off point for this song that just absolutely fucking trashes Bob Dylan. Yeah, it's so <laughs> weird. I mean, I must say, like, imagine, like, I I may have watched that documentary, but I've definitely, like, I've certainly yeah. taken in a lot of, just by existing in the world, one takes in a lot of Bob Dylan content yes. through one <laughs> way or another. And, I, yes. like, there is, like, a like a beat poetry era style Bob Dylan that's like, ah, uh, yeah, everything is 
uh, what is like, I can just see him saying that in that documentary, and I fucking hate it. I fucking <laughs> well, hate he just, was like, like, everything's a fucking yeah. non sequitur. Nothing's taking serious. And it's just like, shut the yeah. fuck up, dude. Like, I don't know. So I can see how they would write this song, basically. Yeah. That? Yeah. No, I, and that was definitely, you know, we're talking about different ages of anarchy and anarchism. I really think that that is kind of, like, a phase that a lot of people who care about leftist and anarchist like social movements go through the phase of just like whatever everything's everything's fucked it doesn't matter like the stage of like pure nihilism and just making fun of everything yeah so like and it's worth noting that bob dylan was like 22 years old when that documentary oh yeah no his life so like it just i can't even imagine yeah being so successful so young like no absolutely not but like it's just funny how and ultimately i do feel like this song is more about like that attitude of anarchism rather than bob dylan as like a person yeah um but it's it's just such a funny and like interesting and like such a specific jumping off point for a song that over the last few albums we have seen chumbawamba do like so often of like they will you know i don't even remember which song it was but there was a song a little while back that was like basically a response to an article in some newspaper that wow. is, wasn't even like, and it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's like, that's like, like Lenin era posting. Like, yeah. where it's just like, or it's just like, you know, it's like Marx will like write an entire book just in response. Like the young Hegelian <laughs> wrote an article and he'll just be like, you fucking piece of shit. Like, let me just like eviscerate you. And at the same time, like make one of the most like influential and insightful pieces of like, leftist yeah. theory in all of history but it's like in response to someone being like I think Hegel said this and Marx is like shut the fuck up <laughs> here's like 300 pages of why you're wrong yeah. you dumbass <laughs> see that's one of my favorite things about Chumbawamba is that like something will piss them off like for like a second and then they'll just write this like <laughs> scathing fucking roast like this yeah. is probably like one of the meanest songs about Bob Dylan who like I don't give a shit about Bob Dylan but I feel like out of all of the people in the world he's probably not one of the worst guys alive like <laughs> yeah, I, don't, exactly. I don't know anything specific I've never heard of a Bob Dylan rape accusation like yeah I mean it's I, weird, might, it's like, I might be wrong but like 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 he'll be burning up the air in his personal jet and then give the anarchist a cigarette and you know I hate every pop star that I ever met it's like it's kind of just it's like it's weird because it's, it's very scathing, but it's just, there's not really any like, and this is why you're bad, Bob Dylan. It's just generally like, you know what? Fuck Bob Dylan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's funny because it feels like, it feels like the thing that they take umbrage with here more than anything else is the fact that a person like Bob Dylan can be so successful and so like, um, like pop star level, like pop star levels of, access to wealth and and fame um while singing about things that are like progressive politics because yeah. it, i guess like chumbawamba's whole beef with performative pop star like politics is that it doesn't affect any actual change you know they wrote the entire album about it of pictures of starving children sell records mm. criticizing live aid and like I wouldn't go as far to say that Bob Dylan is in the same class of like performative activism as like U two, yeah, know, Bono or whatever, or, or but or like fucking John Lennon. Imagine, but like I also can't 
off the top of my head think of any actual direct action that Bob Dylan was a part of, the same way that a lot of other, like, early 60s, like, uh, political folk singers were. Mm -hmm. So, like, I kind of get where they're coming from, of, like, you can make the accusation that at least in his early career, Bob Dylan was kind of taking that fertile ground of, like, the 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 sixties like far left folk singer movement and kind of capitalizing on it and making it more commercial and like getting really su- successful, but it is just interesting like Teddy said that they can be pissed off about something like so small and just be like fuck you Bob Dylan yeah. fuck you Albert Grossman you're a brat like- <laughs> yeah it's like well like I listen and obviously I I honestly I don't know much about like. About, like, you know, Bob Dylan and, like, his influence on counterculture yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But, like, um, but, like, uh, like, the ver- the intro, look, I, I, I pulled up the actual lyrics and it's, like, I didn't realize that the intro is, like, a sample of someone saying Albert and then it's, like, who? Yeah. yeah. Bobby? Who? Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, like, also take, it's, like, also they fucking hate Albert. <laughs> like, yeah. like fuck yeah. you. They Albert. also hate the manager. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite line in this entire song is the times are changing, but he just forgets, which is like a reference to the Bob Dylan song, uh, The Times They Are Changing. Yeah, yeah. And like, just such a burn. Just like, oh, yeah, yeah. you wrote this like famous like protest song? <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. You don't get it, old man. <laughs> yeah. And then he's going to choke was Bob on his Dylan even in the nine, early 90s. Wasn't he only like 40? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't yeah. know anything about Bob Dylan. I don't know if Bob he Dylan wasn't is that still old. alive. I don't know if Bob Dylan He is, is still alive. Not for long. He's still alive. A few years ago, he won the Nobel Prize in literature and he was just like, "Oh, cool, I guess." Which, right, so in a weird people, way, he deserves to have a, a song written about him. Yeah, no, in a weird way, I guess it's still same hey, same old Bobby Dylan, baby. Like like because it's like I can just imagine like, you know, he's like like th- there's the same attitude of which honestly, fuck the Nobel Prize and fuck all these yeah. people. Like they've give they give their thing to the yeah, war give, criminal they Obama. Give Barack Obama like, a fucking like, peace prize. Like that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean I mean fuck the Nobel Prize, obviously. Like get that out of the way. Um but like it is kind of like just kind of like I don't know if douchey is the right word, but just like just like in the most like almost apolitical way, just pretty fucking annoying and yeah. maybe just pretentious. Maybe it's pretentious. Like maybe and, I honestly thought I honestly thought it was really funny because I am enmeshed in a lot of uh, online literary communities ah. who were really mad that a fucking songwriter won the Nobel Prize for literature instead of like some novelist that yeah, no one's of heard a of. Scarce guard. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and so um, because of that, I thought it was the funniest shit in the world when Bob Dylan just basically no-sold the fact that he got a Nobel Prize. Yeah. He, like, didn't publicly acknowledge it for, like, two weeks afterwards after it was announced. And then he only finally acknowledged it in, like, a written statement and didn't, like, do the classic, like, Nobel lecture for a long time. Nice. It was. I thought it was really so funny, maybe but I also rock. get where you're coming from. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm of, I'm of multiple minds then. 
Yeah. I can see how it would, like, I just feel like there's this, a similar kind of, like, disposition of, like, ah, oh, I can't be bothered, like, oh, they call me an anarchist, well, then give, well, if they're calling me an anarchist, then, well, hey, guess what, the anarchist still wants his cigarette, so, uh, <laughs> and, like, and it's like, oh, they're the giving me like, the Nobel Peace Prize, the camera, like, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, yeah. well, I guess, uh, oh, well, guess what, I'm not, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe what they take umbrage with, and what I also am, pretending to take umbrage with or maybe doing it as well is just the kind of like there is a performativity to not caring that can be pretty fucking annoying we've all been to those diy shows where everyone is just like aching for everyone to notice that they're there and notice how little they care about what's going on around yeah it it is a a, like a multi-million dollar piece of media that makes this point but um i don't know if either of y'all have ever played grand theft auto 5 (laughs) <laughs> I yes, think I, I have. But, um, so, so there's a character in the game who is like this like weird old guy and does this and there's like one scene that always stuck out to me where he's talking to like one of like the characters who went on and like had like a normal life and a wife and three kids or whatever and like they, they have this conversation where the guy is pretty much just like you say you don't care about anything but you care so much about people thinking that you don't care about anything that that's all you do is you care about this like perception of yourself as the guy who doesn't care. The real people that don't care are the people who grow up and get wives and have 2.7 kids and just kind of fuck off. Like, like... <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But games aren't political. No, never <laughs> in, in GTA five. I can take Danny, uh, Danny Tamborelli on a bike ride and that's all I need. Hell yeah. I played GTA 4, I think, on, like, a old roommate's PlayStation, and I stabbed a guy with a knife, and, like, he died in such a horrific way (laughs) that I, like, I felt remorseful, and I stopped playing. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was just, like, so realistic. Like, I felt like I had stabbed someone to death who, like, I had just... I had just widowed someone. Like I had just, I had just. Someone now has to be raised without a father because I. Stabbed. Something that's fucked up about like the later GTA games is that they deliberately made the AI more realistic. Like that they had like routines and shit. So oh. like you're right, you did widow someone. Oh. <laughs> and that's why I stopped. That's why. That's yeah. why you shouldn't game. Yeah. <laughs> this is now an anti-gaming podcast. <laughs> We've taken our stance. We've drawn a line in the sand. Yeah, Dan, you're out. We know you've been. <laughs> right. We know you're you're a game developer. You're you're leading to the <laughs> deprecation of morals. I mean, yeah, okay, that's my okay, goal. devs, devs, devils. Come on. It's oh right there, <laughs> shit! You found me out. Just don't say my name backwards. <laughs> So Teddy, do you want to um, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, the tattoo you have? Yeah, so um, I was I was about to bring that up. So in addition to being a uh, Bob Dylan diss track, um, this song also <laughs> has one of my favorite lyrics of all time: the uh, the nothing ever burns down by itself. Every fire needs a little bit of help. Which I mean, it's very Chumbawamba to touch on like multiple subject matters within one song. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. nice to see them have some sort of like not a motivational but maybe like an aspirational like in addition to bob dylan being a shitty anarchist we're also going to make this a song about like the upcoming revolution so that's my my favorite line and it was tattooed on me by our wonderful guest here uh dom (laughs) um i I think almost exactly a year ago i think i got it right after my birthday last year oh hell yeah yeah 
So I, that, there's, there's is, not much more to say. It's a pretty simple and self-explanatory lyric that nothing's yeah. really going to change without that that little spark that to uh, kick things off. And yeah. uh, we'll still not sure if we'll leave it in, but during mine and Dom's uh, sidebar while Dan was fixing their door, uh, we we talked a little bit about the uh, the the many little fires that have started throughout the United States that are now causing this once great nation just kidding to uh to fucking collapse <laughs> yeah okay. <laughs> i was is... gonna go for it i was like i don't want anyone to think i actually ever thought okay. america was actually like here's the thing america was once a great nation but then they took the quesarito off the taco bell menu oh and all the potato God. items and all the potato yeah, menu this items. is true <laughs> now we're podcasting baby this fucking so- we need to write a song about how horrible taco how betrayed we are yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we do we do we need to write a we need to write a taco bell diss track yeah exactly <laughs> it is wild though because it's like it is almost like i mean the hook fucking bangs especially oh, honestly so good. the way that like every it needs a little bit like needs a little bit of like that the way that rolls yeah. off the tongue is so nice oh, um yeah, i love it also i was I'll, like when i start to listen to it to really be like all right i'm gonna listen and actually like focus on so I can analyze the song and talk about it and shit. <laughs> I noticed that like, it's so interesting how they just like every fire needs a little bit of like at the end of every chorus. Yeah. And then yeah. they just like start the verse area, which is like, I guess there's no other musical because I feel like they start singing on the two maybe. Mm-hmm. And so they just yeah. like, they can't, they would have to like add some other like transitional phrase, musical phrase or something like that to really like, allow it but they don't even start delivering the verses immediately so they could potentially no, there's like, like that full measure of just the bass line and the drums before yeah. they yeah they got a the, like, dub out for a sec lyric. yeah but yeah. like but it, and it's i'm in a weird way kind of like and maybe i'm showing my hand here as a fake chumbawamba fan but kind <laughs> of like um uh tub thumping it's like the verses and this is generally how i feel about most songs but like the verses are an excuse to get to the bang and ass chorus. Yes. Um, and like, and the, these verses are fine. They exist. Um, but like the song could almost just be like some sort of weird sing along. That's just the chorus over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> over I mean, that, that is like and, the, the end of the song is they do the chorus like four times in a row. Yeah. And even the, the breakdown, which at first I wasn't sold on. Um, but like the breakdown is a really nice way to kind of like, I don't know. It almost, it's almost like the song goes, they pop off a great chorus, they do some verses and then it's almost like, then there's part B of the song where they're like, and here's the song. If it was just chorus and like a and vibe. <laughs> yeah. I, I like it because it reminds me almost of like a dubstep drop where there's like that, like kind of build up and then it just goes into the, the banging ass chorus again. And you're like, Oh hell yeah, no, that's what I wanted. Yeah. I also, I, I love like the weird little break for down part with the burn baby. Burn, oh God. Burn, yeah. Baby. Yeah. 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 Specifically because I can't listen to it without picturing. Um, there's a live video of this song where Damber No Bacon <laughs> is just like during that instrumental part is straight up just rolling on the ground, holding like a flood lamp to his face. And then during that part, he's, so he's, he's just like good. swaying back and forth. It's one of my favorite performances from him. Wow. That man is like absolutely <laughs> out of his fucking mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 
I think that's interesting, like, talking about the structure of the song, the way that it does feel like it's almost split right in half. Like, the second half of it being just chorus after chorus after chorus. And I feel like that's almost part of Chumbawamba's whole deal. Throughout their entire discography, the choruses of a lot of their songs are repeated more often than I feel like I'm used to in other pop music. Yeah. Because I feel like the chorus is the part where... You know, I mean, you think of any popular song and probably most likely the first piece of like like musical phrase that comes to your head is the chorus unless it has like, you know, a fat riff or something. Yeah, like, yeah. But other unless than that, it's CKY. Like, unless it's CKY <laughs> or Fat Lip by Sum 41, but those are like two exceptions that I think prove my rule. Yeah. Um the chorus is like the part that gets really stuck in your head that makes people like remember the song that makes people want to go and buy your record. So I feel like Chumbawamba packs these pol- this political messaging into their choruses like nothing ever burns down by itself and then just I don't want to say beats you over the head with it because that sounds like it's a bad thing. In in their worst songs, it's a bad thing. Yeah. But in their good songs, like this one, which is a top-tier Jumbawamba song, in my opinion, it's, like, incredibly effective, I think, of just, like, really hammering home the entire point of why they're even singing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, I totally. think it's cool. I think it really works. I mean, and that's that kind of, like, to take it to, like, the propagandistic aspects of yeah. it is, like... Is it's like the hook is the message. It's what you say and over and over and over. It's what like, it's what like, in in other contexts like a protest or something like that. It's like a chant. It's something that like yeah. every single person that the people who are singing along to it, like the audience members or whatever, are like they are like a part of something greater. It's like the this hook isn't yeah. about. It's not like I do this. It's not like I, uh, the member of Chumbawamba, or I, Bob Dylan, does this. It's like yeah, and, and same thing with I get dark, knocked down and I get up again. Um, is this like is this like it's something that like every person listening to it and hearing it and singing along to it, they are like like <laughs> surrendering their individuality to like a greater mm-hmm. project and like a greater yeah. human striving or whatever. And I feel like that's I feel like that's even reflected in just the makeup of the band and the fact that in this era when they were still a full like rock band, they had like eight members. Yeah. Four of whom were vocalists. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, whenever whenever you have a song that's like it's not your turn to sing vocals, you're just beating on a drum or like swinging a flood lamp yeah. around, you know. You know like, what? B- it's kind of it's a bit Slipknot esque. Yeah. It, we, so add Slipknot to the list of bands that are influenced by Chumbawamba, we have, right? We have Hell definitely yeah. talked about that already. Yeah. Probably, I, I, will, yeah. I will eat my hat if we have not made a Slipknot-Chumbawamba comparison already. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's really I think that's really spot on, Dom, and how, like, if you really start to dive into, like, every piece of this band, from the music to the lyrics to their onstage presentation... It really is just, like, a collective of people, like, surrendering individuality for the sake of a consistent message. Yeah. And, yeah, I just find that so interesting. I think that's, like, things like that are the reason that I wanted to fucking do this podcast to begin with. To just really explore the fact that this is a band that had so many, like, complicated, different, like, ways of getting their message out. 
and like reinforcing their message but like most people only know them for one song yeah that was famous over 20 years ago and how like I think there's no better testament to that fact than the fact that they had this song that took over the world and is still a very popular song today. And each individual member of the band is still kind of like an obscure enough individual person. Yeah. That like, unless you're like a freak like me and Teddy, you (laughs) probably don't know any of their names. Totally. I mean, I've been thinking a lot. I recently watched this... um documentary about uh some was it called don't look back about bob (laughs) (laughs) yeah because i hear that one's good (laughs) um but uh, but so i recently watched this documentary about amish guys um Mm -hmm. who like basically start reading the bible in english instead of just in like a a ancient version of german or something like that and they basically are reading the bible and they're like they're like wait a minute the bible doesn't tell us that we like aren't allowed to do x y and z but obviously they like they still want to be a part of the of the amish community and stuff um but they're like they're like wait like this interpretation of christianity is not actually real and it's basically just like a collective of like church elders that are dictating what we're allowed and not allowed to do with our lives and families and stuff like that and so it's a lot of a lot of it's these guys like coming to terms with their inevitable excommunication from these churches and all this stuff and then um one of the guys his daughter gets brain cancer um and he's they're Amish and like they're have to go to the hot, like the filmmakers have to bring, have to drive them like hours to go to the hospital to like get all these tests done and all this stuff. And these people's like faith in God is like, so uh, like moving, like their, their faith in like, yeah. That that like their belief in something larger than themselves, um, and like their like bi- just like selflessness, and for better or for worse, I mean it's also kind of fucked up that his daughter got brain cancer, and he's like, and she's like a little girl, and he's like, well, God works in mysterious ways, but like, I don't know, there's something like deeply moving about people who so wholeheartedly like surrender to like a project that's and this is this is because i mean i say this because of you know the horrific hyper alienization of contemporary capitalist society you know it's like (laughs) the fact that that like and and uh, the other example i can think of this is the polar opposite but is that um volleyball anime (laughs) that's on (laughs) (laughs) that's on netflix (laughs) <laughs> what a fucking juxtaposition no no go on but, but yeah. go on. i'm anime, fucking with you on this journey the, go on the volleyball anime is about like these fucking high school kids who love volleyball more than yeah. any like it it makes me and i'm someone who's really fucking passionate about a lot of shit but like i the way that they depict this pa- passion to d- depict the passion and like and their their like commitment to the team and to the sport of volleyball yeah. and shit is like so inspiring and just like 
to think about that and then think about how just like how deeply nihilistic even the most like mainstream liberal society is and and, yeah. and also and now that I think about it how deeply nihilistic Bob Dylan just mean like eh give the anarchist a cigarette then like that's a pretty like <laughs> that's a pretty good Bob Dylan impression <laughs> um, but like like that uncaring like nothing fucking matters man yeah. kind of attitude yeah. is the worst fucking shit and that is such capitulation yeah. to the just like all pervasing alienation and just like you know just like hegemonic nihilism that is liberalism um and so yeah just like and, and which is all to say that chumbawamba it seems like as a project does a really fucking good job at also like creating that same space that the Amish guy and that yeah. the anime volleyball players <laughs> were doing. That was a fucking that masterpiece. The most, <laughs> that was the most fucking incredible like combination of different examples of the same idea that I think I've ever heard. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's just, you know, quarant- you take in a lot of media uh, in Quar. You really do. We take in a lot of media in general oh, yeah. in modern society. So now that we like for the past four months, like our primary function has just been to consume media. Like, <laughs> yeah. ugh. Media and pizza. Oh my media god! Media and pizza. Those are the two things I've consumed in the past four months. But hey, but hey, never a medium pizza. We're XL or large all the time, baby. Oh boy! <laughs> oh god! <laughs> All right, so, so let's let's move on to the the music of the song. Um, as I think I, we kind of already covered the music. I, talking about like I just want to we, we did and... we did for the most part. I do just want to mention real quick the uh, lyrical and music some uh, musical similarities. Yes, to the later song on this album, "Enough Is Enough," uh, which uh, features their frequent collaborators. Uh, credit to the nation uh, slash MC Fusion. There's a line in that song that's. Uh, give the fascist man a gunshot, which is sung almost in the same like camber as the "Give the anarchist a cigarette." So it's just oh. cool to see Chumbawamba playing, yeah. like almost parroting their own music on their same album. Like it's not even like a throwback yeah. to an earlier album. It's like, hey, remember that song four songs ago? Like, I got you. <laughs> like, which is I love that about an this incredibly band. Chumbawamba I'll... move. <laughs> Yeah, I love the fact that they make references to themselves throughout their discography. I fucking love it. Well, and even the <laughs> I'm looking at the lyrics right now. Um, and even the it's like okay, it starts with the chorus, just like the other song, and it's like yeah. they've got "Open your eyes, time to wake up." Enough is enough is enough is enough. Which like that's a bang. They deliver that in a banging ass way. Yes. And then the verses have references to like the verses are also call and response yeah. using the theme of the chorus. I love it. Yeah. And I think it's no coincidence that they're like two of the best songs on this entire album. It's uh, a that, it's a formula this, that fucking works. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Uh, what do y'all think about the So I when first listening to this song and this might be a a thing of listening to it on repeat, but like the intro's really quiet compared to the rest of the song and it also just like sonically when I listen to it over and over like just from like a time to listen to music and enjoy what I'm hearing. Like just the intro is like <laughs> kind of like harsh and bothersome in like a way that I could do without. <laughs> I can see where you're coming from. It does kind of all hit you at once and then kind of like 
empties out. Yeah. And I guess also I was thinking about this in terms of, I can't remember if this is a theme on the whole album, but like there is the kind of like radio tuning television static yes. sound effect, yes. which I think if I remember correctly is kind of like a theme on the album itself. Yeah. Which kind, that's of, like, kind of like a motif that they do with like, like the, the, I think it's meant to be a TV cause it's like samples of like cartoons and stuff. Yeah. And they go back to it with one track. That's like uh later on in the album where it's literally just like, a sample of Homer Simpson saying dough. <laughs> so like there's like there it's like a it's like a motif throughout the album that there's like media samples and also the sound of like tuning a television set, I think. Yeah. No, it so, is really mind blowing how I mean y'all did a fantastic job coming up with the idea to make a Chumbawamba and and seeing Chumbawamba <laughs> as the like the iconic like powerhouses that they are because like there's so many things that they do that are yeah. still being done and still like yeah. people are still doing and thinking that they're like trailblazing like i mean just all the plunder phonics thing like with the episode that y'all did with the, the they made a fucking entire plunder phonics episode i mean uh movie yeah. not movie album <laughs> and like they're like genre mashing which like uh, like just like they're almost like aggressive genre mashing i feel like um yeah. which like it, obviously now uh, you know is all contemporary music but like mm-hmm. um, but you I mean even like even the thing of like oh yeah we're gonna make it sound like 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 it's tv or whatever which like i feel like yeah maybe like for a period of like the 2000s was like that was got a bit old or it got a bit like it got a bit like rote in some way but now listening to it now i'm like this is fucking badass i love it when it sounds mm-hmm. like we're listening to tv or or yeah. like i love it it's like i love the commentary i think it's like it's good yeah. it's good and insightful and not corny it, yeah. it kind of became like they they kind of like i i guess like jumped the shark when less than jake released that album that was just covers of tv jingles oh god <laughs> uh yeah i mean that was the, the that was the the farcical yeah reanimation of it yeah yeah I, I do think, like, I've always thought this about this band ever since I started getting into them, like, more seriously when I was a little younger, that pretty much every album they put out is a concept album in some way. Yeah, um, And, like, even when the concept is as simple as, like, television rules our media, yeah. you know, like, and, and we're trying to break through the noise, even when it's, like, that simple of a concept, which I really think is the only, like, unifying thing on this album, the fact that there's these occasional interludes with television sounds in it, but, yeah, you know, um, obviously a really good example of it are the first two albums we covered, Pictures of Starving Children and um, Nevermind the Ballots, which, like, have characters and, like, running themes in them, yeah. but... Yeah, I, I think you're spot on, and, like, that's kind of the impetus of the podcast, just, like, bringing light to the fact that they were doing so many of these things that, like, now seem just, like, to be a common vocabulary of people who write uh, just music in general, not just punk music. Yeah. Just, no, I also, yeah. it suddenly occurs to me that, like, um, like, especially for a band, like, of the especially for their time like because like yeah. punk was and like I get, I I'm thinking like probably like certainly when I got into punk and like started reading maximum rock and roll and shit um like like the the concept of the sellout was like yeah. was like this and, and obviously at some point 
culture has shifted. Maybe just what I care about and read about has shifted and nobody and I just happen to not be in circles that talk about or care about selling out or whatever. But like they were a band that it seems like they were like, no, we need we must sell out in order for the people to hear this music like to not sell out would be to like bury the propaganda purposes of their band. Yeah. Trouble one was selling out was almost like accidental from what I understand is they were signed to a smaller record label and they proposed the album that ended up becoming Tub Thumper and the label was like, uh, fuck this. You need to like re-record all of this. And they were like, we really don't want to do that. So they went to, was it EMI? I think, which is now universal, yeah. whatever. Cause everything is owned by three people nowadays, mm-hmm. but um, they, they went to them and we're just like, here's this record we have. We don't want to make any changes to it. Will you put it out? And they were like, yeah, fuck it. And that's what had their number one single on it. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. So speaking of people's reactions to Chumbawamba selling out, I feel like that's a pretty good segue to bring us to our next segment, Chumbawamba versus the people. Hell yeah. Oh, nice. Dom, you want to hit us with that, uh, you want to you want to try your auto tune pedal? Chumbawamba versus the people. <laughs> oh, you know what? That was pretty good, yeah. even without auto tunes. So. Oh, nice. So, uh, so sure <laughs> I mean, a little while ago, we had one of our friends on who did like ASMR as Hulk Hogan saying wow. Chumbawamba versus the people. So, and uh, we had another friend who did like a ska a ska song. Like it was. I love our our guest episodes. They always end up being unhinged. (laughs) Uh, So this week on Chumbawamba versus the people, we've got two YouTube videos. Um, One is Chumbawamba Give the Anarchist a Cigarette, just an upload of the studio version of this song, uh, uploaded in November of 2011. And then we've also got the live version that we have alluded to uh, earlier of Give the Anarchist a Cigarette that features... um, Dambert no bacon rolling around on stage with a fucking um oh, yes. with a fucking like fog light against his face. And I just really want to read the f- top comment on the live video that goes uh this band is so much more than tub thumping. They don't get the credit they deserve. Dambert no bacon somehow moved to my little mountain town in Washington State, USA. Great dude. Hell I, yeah. Uh, you, you, Hell yeah. You mentioned to uh to give that person's YouTube name, which is very important because it's a uh, Buck Futler. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Also, the next comment, it's nice to see a music act with such strong social political beliefs play actually good music. <laughs> I mean, hey, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> There's another one where they just Petty. say "worldwide revolution now." Yeah, yeah. And then they, <laughs> it's, it's like, then they, yeah. This it says. Sorry, go it ahead. It says first it says something in German twice. It seems like something. There is no alternative. Something ein resolution. Worldwide, I mean revolution. World revolution now. Enjoy and then dice finden on Facebook. <laughs> I, I love that, like, the, the Chumbawamba YouTube comment sections are, like, the perfect combination of, like, anarchists and baby boomers. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's one from Aaron Puma who says, 
Am I the only one here primarily because the song sounds awesome? Not even the lyrics, but the effect of vocal melody over that tense bass line and trumpet and the lead guitar seem to switch the roles that most conventional music that's not jazz would do. Having guitar, then adding horn while they have horns, then add guitar as the flourish. Not to mention that solo. This song really takes a lot from jazz and is all the better for it. It's a tight track that keeps a tense anger that really lends power to the message. This isn't my favorite Chumbawamba album or song, but I can just feel this. Wow. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's awesome. I mean, so I, I want to get inside I want to get inside the brain of someone who can listen to Chumbawamba and not immediately think of the socio-political messaging. Yeah. Um I listen to Chumbawamba for the uh, jazz influence. <laughs> wow. Um so but, someone uh, someone did comment on there. There are a few comments on that thread, but my favorite is the the last one left by Blazed Weed just 9 months ago who just said you're just pseudo intellectually describing the various different parts of a song. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. fucking roasted by a dude named Blazed Weed on YouTube. Oh. <laughs> there is someone who says the same thing. I have to wonder if this meant the song is meant to parallel enough and enough is enough. Give the anarchists yeah. a cigarette, give the fascist men a gunshot. And then they say, yep, this album was structured be- brilliantly. Someone yeah. responded to that. <laughs> I also love um, that because of the political nature of the music, sometimes you get like right wing trolls come into the into the um, into the comments and people like trying to roast them. <laughs> But then also because uh, YouTube is like a really old website and has comments stretching back for like over a decade now, there are some people who like delete their comments, but the replies to them can still be found scattered throughout the video. Oh, are you about to read what I think you're about to read? Because I uh, perhaps there's a beautiful combination of those two phenomena phenomena happening here from Mulder seven years ago that just says with no context whatsoever this is a top level comment dude you can't argue with the guy on the oatmeal box he'll take all the maple brown sugar packets out of the assorted oatmeal boxes out of spite (laughs) oh my god (laughs) was that the one you thought I was gonna read no I thought it was Mr. Quaker 62 seven years (gasps) ago it's the guy on the oatmeal box oh oh my god yeah well listen to this (laughs) He says, Mr. Quaker 62 says, good question. I guess anarchists want a stateless society with non-hierarchical associations. Christian anarchists denounce the state as violent, deceitful, and a form of idolatry. Most, like myself, are pacifists. Gandhi was a hell of a Christian anarchist, even if he was a Hindu. And then, like, very, like, nuanced, (laughs) smiling emoticon. Oh, Stinky Pants five years ago says, I used to be young, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's also some people, there's some people on both videos who are taking it in a weed direction. Yeah. Like, damn at some seven years ago. Sounds more like a pothead than an anarchist. (laughs) I was about to say, there's Voluntary Virtues Network five years ago who says, I would prefer a joint to a cigarette. Thank you very much. Wow. (laughs) Damn, there's a Incredible. lot of comments on this. Yeah. It's that upstroking. Yeah, this has made people want Probably, weed. like, the biggest video we've seen uploaded from Chumbawamba so far. The, the song itself has yeah. 40, 445,000 views, and the live version's got 71,000. Damn. Ooh, also, if you're have... trying to watch the live version of this, I recommend watching it from the actual set it's in. Uh, this upload is not yeah. great quality, but it, it is available in full in that Essence set. Um, 
here's I've got I've got something. James King four four months ago, oof, says these guys are not anarchists. They are anti-free markets and are actually authoritarian. <laughs> Actually, authoritarian democratic socialists. Exact opposite of anarchy. By the way, Nazis were socialists too. National socialists. As as we know, as we know, anarchists love the free market. Yeah. So the fact that Chumbawamba doesn't disqualifies them from anarchy. Wow, this is amazing. And I love I I love that they're saying that democratic socialists are the authoritarian (laughs) ones. Like. Oh, it's hilarious. I love when people don't know things, but I don't. And I get mad on the internet most of the time because people don't know things. I love when people don't know things but are so fucking confident that they know something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I've got I think I've got one more comment here from Barry Jordan Bama Philippines dash Taco Bell dot Vandiver. Because crappy. (laughs) So fuck you, Taco Bell. It's officially our relationship (laughs) is severed. Oh my god. Oh. Friendship over with Taco Bell. Artie's Jr. is my new best friend. Time. Oh wow. my god. Now I'm looking at. Oh, ooh, I would. Well, I would recommend, but proceed with trepidation to looking at Barry Jordan Bama Philippines Taco Bell Vandiver uh, at his website. Uh, not website, his oh, channel. Because no. it is. Strange. Oh, Oh, this is scary shit. Is this on the live video? Three days ago. Studio. On the studio. Three days ago, he posted a thing called Big Sphincter Sphincter Revisited One Last Time for Good Measure. Oh, no. Whoa. Oh, no. I think Barry Jordan's a bad man. Oh, no. Um, I like that. I do like that his description for his YouTube channel is uh, why do they call it a dump when you're not taking it anywhere? Uh, attributed to Beavis and Butthead in 1991. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Holy shit. I think this guy is like a sex pervert in the Philippines. I, I also might, think he not, is. Yeah. I think we need to stop podcasting and find and deliver some street justice to this yeah. guy. <laughs> I, see, I see one video on here that says alien birth. Uploaded two months ago. Oh boy, I don't know that I can. I think we're gonna. I think I'm gonna have to go ahead and click away from this guy's channel. Yeah. This is awful. Well, I'm on a watch list now. Yeah, yeah definitely. Oh god, he's a psyop. <laughs> Taco Bell Vandiver. Well, we were gotta get the Taco Bell. It brought us in, and now it's our <laughs> downfall. Yeah, the the Illuminati Taco Bell thing is real. <laughs> Whoa, okay. I mean, I I don't know if we're still reading comments, but here on the um here on the something from 9 years ago on the live version, I don't know what it, maybe this is a response to one that's been deleted, but it's just how are they all oppressive? All I know about Greece is that Samaras is a great goal scorer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like bits and pieces of an argument about Greece somewhere. Yeah, on that seemed, comment. It looks like I someone deleted it. something because I saw that before. I was just like like okay, I'm not gonna dive into <laughs> Greece. Yeah, it uh, seems like people are people are arguing. I mean, here's the thing: of all the things in world politics that I know about, which is very, I mean, I pretend to know, but truly, I'm stupid. And knowing about Greece, knowing about Greece's economy is a black hole for me. Like I have, <laughs> I know that the EU did something bad. Like obviously, the 
EU, fuck the EU. But like <laughs> Greece, something happened, austerity, the EU, bad stuff. It seems like there's some sort of argument. Yeah, there's going on about like, that. There's a we did an episode a few weeks ago, and by a few weeks ago, I mean at this point a few months ago, where we tried to understand uh, like the British electoral system and gave up after like <laughs> oh after, my like, god, I spent like an hour reading Wikipedia articles and I was like, I literally have no idea how this works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that nothing can be. Nothing can sum up, like, the experience of reading these YouTube comments better than a comment from Sue Jones six years ago <laughs> that just says, LOL, some of these comments, loonies. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Sue Jones, wow. for really thank capturing for this service, moment Sue. in history for us. I appreciate it. And in honor of Sue Jones's uh, summation, I would like to ask you all... Um, do you have any final thoughts about this song or anything that we've talked about here today? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think this is one of my top Chumbawamba tracks. It's super catchy. It's got a, a, a hopeful message, but still has some very goofy and fun dunks on Bob Dylan, which I appreciate. <laughs> and it's a, it's an all around banger. That baseline, I know we, we mentioned it briefly, but God damn, does it fucking slap? Yeah, yeah. It truly honks. How about you, Dom? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love this song. I love this album. Um, it's been, I mean, I, yeah, as I'm not quite as deep in Chumbawambology, obviously I don't have the degree that you guys have. Um, and so, uh, but it's a fucking banger. Yeah. Hell yeah. How about you, Dan? I agree with that. It's it's a top tier Chumbawamba song. This is a top tier Chumbawamba album. Um, I think it's a great way to start an album. You know, everything from like the hook to like that fucking driving drum fill right at the beginning. The it's just like just fucking gets me going. Hell yeah! Every time I decide to listen to this album, which I did today to prepare, I listened to this album from start to finish. By the time this song, like, gets into it in, like, the first 30 seconds, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, this is gonna be a good time. And it always is, because yeah. this album fucking rules. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of the song, big fan of the lyrics. I will always um, appreciate something that, like, thoughtfully uh, dunks on, you know, a baby boomer hero like Bob Dylan. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's very solid. Um, if y'all had to rate the song, what would you give it? I'm mm. gonna give it a Mr. Quaker 62 out of a Nintendo 64. <laughs> oh, um, I'm gonna give. Oh, I'm gonna give it. You know, okay, fascists obviously they need a bullet or gunshot, something like that. But you know mm -hmm. who else does? I'm sorry, not always pro death penalty, but I think that Barry Jordan Bomb of Philippine Stucco Bell Vandiver <laughs> also needs to be given one. Um, and that's how good the song is. The song's so good you would kill a man. Yeah. <laughs> but only a bad man. Yeah. Yeah, but only a bad man. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna have to report this guy to like the FBI. I know. <laughs> it seems really whack. Here's one. They ha he has a video from a week ago called 
Candyman Jr. check out this epic Philippines content. Like, if that is not like sex tourism, I don't yeah. I, like that. It just sounds like like fully. He is like a a scum. Yeah, he's yeah. he's scum that must be cleansed from the earth. <laughs> Dom, your voice cadence reminds me a lot of Brace Belden's. So I mean, <laughs> it's only fitting that you hate uh, pedophiles and sex tourists as much as he does. Oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to start making twenty thousand dollars a month on Patreon <laughs> and being a CIA asset. You could. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dan. What would you rate this? Uh, I would give it a 1965 out of 1967. Um, 1965 being the year that Bob Dylan uh, did his concert tour. I said in <laughs> the United States earlier, it's actually in England. 1965 concert tour of England and 1967 was the year Don't Look Back was released. Oh. So he, he knew two years of peace before Chumbawamba just dunked on him. Yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> All right, Dom, we're about to head into our, our leftism of the week corner where I want to ask you some questions about your experience with the New York City uh, Black Lives Matter protests, but just quickly before we do, uh, you had previously mentioned to me that your partner is from uh, Blackpool, which yes. is referenced <laughs> in a song later on this album. Uh, can you confirm or deny that Tabby is the baby that is on the Tub Thumper album cover? I, You know what? I can't deny it. I can't confirm it, but I also can't deny it. Fair enough. Well, we'll have to have Tabby on later and or ask oh, them yeah. if they uh, if they know the true identity of the Tub Thumper baby. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, Tabby has seen T- Chumbawamba live what? in concert. Oh, um, oh fuck. I'm so jealous. As, as a 12 year old at like the <laughs> wow. at like the Bristol like local Bristol festival. That fucking rules. That fucking rules. I've never been more jealous of someone in my entire life. (laughs) Except maybe Mr. Quaker 62. He seems like he's got it all together. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So as I mentioned before, uh, we're going to dive into our leftism segment here. Um, So Dom, you are a New York City resident. Um, For those of y'all that are popping in from sometime in the future we're recording this on july 20th uh, 2020 and we are still in the midst i guess kind of petering out over here of uh the protests uh regarding george floyd's uh killing by the police and so dom i know that you were quite active uh with some of the new york city protests um if you want to give us some more details on that if there's anything you'd like to share yeah i mean so i guess the first one that we went to was in like late, 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 late May. Um, and I kind of, I did read something that was really interesting called like 20, I think it was 26 theses on George Floyd protests. Um, uh, and it was basically like, they kind of like, um, like had this theory, the, the way that they were analyzing was basically like the, the height of the rebellion was from like, you know, May 26th or so, I think it was until like June 3rd or so. And then, and then things kind of like the, the dynamic shifted or something. And, uh, that definitely like makes sense to me because the first few days, the first few nights and days were like, um, really there was like a palpable, like 
just feeling of, I mean, kind of like we were talking about with, previously with like Chumba Woman and stuff like that. We're like marching through the streets and like feeling the anger and like shared anger and pain and like and like expressing that together and like, you know, being in a crowd of like a thousand or more people marching through like a nice area of Brooklyn, like chanting NYPD suck my dick, but also <laughs> chanting, <laughs> but also chanting like George Floyd's name, Brianna Taylor's name, like, like Amon Arbery's name, like all the, like, like chanting the, like uh, it was, it was deeply emotional. Like there were times when I was like fighting back tears, just like yelling these people's names with thousands of other people. Like it was so amazing. And there was just like a, like, um, an untamed spirit to it. Um, that was like really intoxicating, honestly, like to be a part of. Um, and like, that was something that like, um, the first one was like, went down to the Barclays center, um, with, and like, uh, there's just like a big crowd of people and I had like, I brought a camcorder that I could use to like zoom in really far. And so I was like filming all these cops and I like got kind of close and was like filming cops and like kind of trying to like get their name tags and their badge numbers and they're just like their faces just cause I was like, like what, like, you know, just like put, yeah, I just wanted them for one reason or another. I come to find out that honestly, it's actually very hard to like, there's a lot of things like, first of all, you can sometimes search if someone has maybe a less unique name, you can search their name and then NYPD, but there's no like central database, um, of badge numbers. And also every time yeah. a cop gets a promotion, they get a new badge and therefore a new number. Um, so it's really hard to, it's really hard to like, know, like, like, cause I started to just like Google people, especially like the white shirts usually have, some information about them online. Um, so usually you can just kind of like search so and such and such person's name and then um, uh, NYPD and like some information will, will come up about them. Um, and there's like websites like there's this website that was like using data from a specific range of years that was like using uh, about like a specific type of uh, civil rights lawsuits against the NYPD that has like a database of like guys names and then like what, um, what their badge number is and like the specific cases, uh, that are like, that were, that were brought up against them. Um, which is interesting, but like also, yeah, it's just really hard to know whether or not they, you know, whether or not that guy who's, whose name you saw is actually the same one. Cause it's like, you know, I don't know. Like if it's like, if it's like you see someone and their badge says Dylan, it's like, I don't know. There could be yeah. like five. Bob yeah. Dylan. Oh my God, Bob Dylan, <laughs> the cop. But like, you know, you know, like, like there could be multiple people or obviously like something like Smith or something like that. Yeah. It's like, there's probably a lot of dudes named Smith who are cops or whatever. But, um, but yeah, so like went to that protest and was filming the cops and stuff like that. And then that protest kind of, turned into a march and we marched for a while and then we got like blocked off by the cops and like yeah then and this was early days when the cops solution to being confronted was like folly to just beat people like it was really i it's funny to it's it's, it's i don't know maybe 
privileged or whatever to say this or to, to, to like be shocked or whatever, but like the, it really put into terms just how like unfair the cops are like, like unfair in like, in terms of like a playground fight kind of way. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's like, you're not on equal terms. Like the cops are allowed to beat the shit out of you, use chemical weapons on you and arrest you. And if you do a single fucking thing to them, then they get to just up the brutality even more. Like, mm-hmm. like, and just from like, just from a purely like, yeah, just from a purely like, all right, man to man, it's time to do combat. Like, that's just <laughs> completely unfair. Like, that's just like, yeah. if this was a video game, they'd be cheating. They'd be like, they're screen peeking practically. <laughs> they'd be, they'd be finisher spamming. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, uh, I don't know. They're hacking. They're hacksaws. But yeah. like, yeah, just like from like the the fundamental relationship, and and also just like truly, it it was truly like like uh, the police. I mean, this is something that has been explored by, you know, countless uh, revolutionaries and authors and theorists before. But like the police as a occupying army, is just like it, there's there is no, there is no like mask off truly like the the idea that the police exist to like to like benefit a community in any in any way it's just like it's like truly growing going to those protests it's just like oh yeah this is just a army that has their interests in mind and they get to do whatever the fuck they want to the people whose interests are diametrically opposed to this occupying army's interests like they get to do whatever the fuck they want and i don't know it's just like it was that was truly striking and going and those first few protests they responded by beating and spraying and arresting people and then slowly uh shit just got like tamer and th- and come to find out through seeing shit firsthand and also seeing shit on the internet that like um basically a bunch of like cops and informants and probably people who think they're doing a good thing or people with like aspirations in nonprofits and NGOs or people <laughs> like this like infiltrators like made their way into into all the marches and like would try and make them go over bridges, would try and lead them around into police kettles, would would work with the police to like be like, oh yeah, we'll be allowed to stay out longer for curfew if um because because I agreed to make sure that the protest wouldn't get too out of hand. And so the police are letting us with their permission protest for longer. Um and like that kind of stuff. And like like I saw one time um like I went to a protest outside of a police station and then the protest moved and I well, the protest moved to the Barclays Center and I went to go eat a sandwich at home real quick and then I was riding my bike back and my friend said that at the Barclays Center um a girl spat on a cop and uh, spat some water on a cop and the cops arrested her and then a guy who a guy, you know, the people tried to de-arrest 
the girl who had spat on the cops, and a guy intervened and stopped that de-arresting from happening, and then tried to, and then got on the mic and started to talk about how FTP doesn't stand for fuck the police, actually it stands for free the people, and like, Ooh. and kind of start to do all this like de-escalation talk, and there's literally a group who at one point were called the de-escalators in New York. Yeah. Um, and, and then those, and then, and then, so later that night, and so after I rode my bike to re to, to meet up with the protest again, um, uh, the protest was walking down a street and it turned to go up towards a park. But then at that turn, for some reason, those two guys, one got on the mic and said, Hey, 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 everybody, I have a whole huge pro protest bike. Uh, like a huge amount of crowd of bike protesters. They're coming. We're all going to cross the Manhattan Bridge and go into Manhattan. And he's like, trust me. Trust me. I've done this every night for five days in a row. Trust me. Come with me. Come do this. And he was even like, there's a lot of infiltrators around here. Trust me. And then, um, and that was weird because he was trying to break up the protest. A major, a bunch of people in the crowd had already, was already, en route elsewhere and then uh the other the the guy who who stopped the de-arrest and who said that fdp stands for free the people he got on the mic and he was like i got arrested for terrorism charges um and they took my chain and they took my beats one headphones which i thought was odd <laughs> um and he was like he was like come with me to this other place and he was like and then he motioned towards the other guy who had the mic and was like I don't know about you but that guy looks pretty clean if you ask me like implying that he was an infiltrator and then come to find out later that that guy who was who was the free the people guy had been photographed like high-fiving cops like the uh -huh. the main cop and this he high-fived the the I don't know top cop at this particular at this particular um cop shop and that guy was the guy this was the thing that y'all might have seen on twitter that um that that um precinct had invited ice and ice was like guarding the outside of the precinct um Ugh. and that's what the protest was about was about being like what the fuck is wrong like you fucking cowards like you've invited ice to protect you and shit and so that guy the mr free the people guy was had been pictured high-fiving the main guy who invited ice to that precinct and he was the and so and so just like there was a lot like the energy was it became sus and confusing and like it was the energy was the like the crowd and the power of the crowd had been dispersed and splintered off by these people whether or not they were like actually working with the police or had their own weird personal brand interests in mind or whether they were like just well-meaning or whatever it's like in the end it doesn't really matter because they yeah, succeeded the, end product is the same whether or not it was like actual police intervention or yeah 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 that's, but and, that's and, fucking crazy yeah and i also saw a lot of um yeah i mean i went on a protest where like the majority of the time was spent walking across the brooklyn bridge which like if we were to analyze protests as if the function of a protest is no justice no peace um, yeah. And the, the, the idea is to disrupt the peace and to to yeah. to like make the normal functioning of society 
more difficult and to say this will continue until there is justice, like to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge inconveniences no one. We just walked yeah. across the bridge. We spent an hour and a half walking across a bridge that like was empty. Like a pedestrian yeah, bridge. <laughs> yeah, like like that didn't that didn't like that didn't actually do anything. Like no there was no piece right. that was disrupted that we could have like used to leverage justice out of. I don't know. Um so that was that was very interesting. Also like went to a protest where like the guy first of all was a troop, which is weird. Like he was a veteran. Um and he kept on he kept on like at the before the march began, he was like he was like he had a megaphone and he was like he was like We don't hate the police. We want we want you guys to be the next uh the next you know, police chief, we need you to be the the next police officers. We need you to serve the community <laughs> and stuff. And like, that was fucking weird. And at the end, he just kept on over and over, just like accentuating the fact like, we don't hate the police. We love the police. We don't have a problem with the police. We have a problem with what the police do. I don't know. And he was trying to, you know, do the, the liberal somehow disambiguating th- the role of police, like the way the police act from the role of policing. Um, and then like someone else who was clearly not a cop in disguise, like got, had the megaphone and was like, I've lived here my entire fucking life. I fucking hate the police. Fuck the police. And everyone was like, (laughs) yes. Um, but yeah, a lot of fucking weird shit like that. A lot of just like, yeah, just like a, a huge constellation of just like little things that like derail that like de energize, Um, yeah. And it got to be, and also honestly, just like, I mean, obviously the fact that nobody has any work and shit and is able to go out and protest is really amazing. But also like I went to a protest that started in Williamsburg and like some people were like actively like drunk, like drunk ass, like not like, not just like, Oh, I had a beer before coming here. Like drunk and bumbling and like stumbling. And it's just like, Oh, you came to this because you're, upset that you can't go get drunk in a bar and so like you use this as an excuse to uh to just be out which is which was weird and honestly expected from like a Williamsburg type <laughs> yoga type ass yeah. I don't know which is not and all this is not to say that the protests were pointless or ineffective or whatever but just like it is I mean if anything the most interesting thing is just the ways that I mean, COINTELPRO, Operation Gladio, all these things are still happening. And if anything, what's happening in Portland is an example of like, you know, like the domestic like disturbances of like like the domestic the ways that the police use to like disrupt domestic unrest are now becoming more and more the ways that the police use to uh, clamp down on like international unrest and like I mean you know it's the classic thing like uh, imperialism fascism is imperialism but done domestically yeah yeah we, we talked about it a little bit before where like what's going on in Portland right now which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit um, we are going very long on this episode but um <laughs> oopsie that's all right. <laughs> but um, it, it, it's crazy to see something like there where they're being met with violence and it's doing nothing but escalating the situation. 
and bringing more attention to it, whereas, like, it seems like whether it was a purposeful tool of the New York police or just a tool of the liberal society we, like, live in that managed to, like, squash the kind of the energy behind, like, the New York protests. Yeah. So I, I guess it's a matter of I, we'll see how Portland turns out if, if they're able to keep up this energy, if further escalation will be done by the police. But, I mean, they're on day 57 of, like, nonstop protests. I, I'm sure things are still happening in New York. I, I've seen a few things, but it's a lot sparser. And a lot yeah. more None of it is, like, than... quite as big as it was. Yeah, yeah Newark, I mean, definitely. New York literally I... had one, and then that was it. Like they, they had the one everyone danced in the fucking downtown and then left, Aww. which I mean, I, I, I it, it's weird because I, I'm a white person living in a predominantly black city, so I don't really think it's my place to be like, no, we should have been angrier at the police when everyone just kind of showed up and was like, y'all aren't killing us right now. All right, we're good. Bye. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I, I was expecting a little bit more. I, I, I don't hope for violence, but I, I was expecting something more energized than, like, the, the Newark protests. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, um, I think there's been a really interesting, and I think that this is a matter of something that will, like, a, a matter of developing, like, effective propaganda at doing. But basically, like, um, there was a time when, like, like basically the the the... The speed at which abolition became an acceptable thing, f- even in the liberal imagination, yeah, was remarkable. Yeah. And obviously there was a lot of weird liberal backsliding of being like, no, 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 no. Uh, it doesn't actually mean that we won't have police. It actually means that we'll give them more money. No. Yeah. It's, there will be more like, Yeah, defund the police means we're going to fund the police more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there is something to be said about, like, how can we use this as an opportunity as people who want some arguably radical things, um, like how can we use this to push the liberal imagination even further and to prevent the liberal co-option of something of terms like carceral and uh, and like and yeah, like and abolition. abolition, yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll find out. We'll we'll see. As I yeah. said, I, I'm. I'm hopeful about Portland because they're getting a real reaction again. And I think if anything, the difference between the protests in cities like New York and Columbus and the protests in Portland will show people like, Oh, if we want results, we have to keep doing this and it has to be not inherently violent, but it has to be a protest that actually disrupts something. If you're yeah, it has to actually like demand something using physical yeah. force, not necessarily meaning violence, but just like the physical force of blocking intersections yeah. and disrupting public transit and like you know public events. Yeah, and shit. yeah totally, and, totally. And I, I think this is just my my personal opinion, but I think that protesters need to have more of like set demands. Like, I'm not yeah. sure if there's any from Portland, but, like, if you're just marching around saying Black Lives Matter, after a certain point, anyone who disagreed with you has either changed their mind or is still going to disagree with you. Like, I, I can't see what it's really accomplishing to peacefully protest 
if it's not getting covered, if you're not disrupting anything, if you're not making any changes. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, the, um, the, uh, this is something that I don't know that many, like, um, our, our, our roommate has, uh, noticed this, but like, and, and, and has talked about it, but like the, um, like Andrew Cuomo was like, Hey, if you want to remake police, you have nine months now go do it. And like, what does that fucking mean? He's like, like, like he, he, in his description of, it's like, Hey, each, each city, each County, each whatever local populace needs to decide how to remake the police. But he never says like how that gets decided, how like, He's like, you have a seat at the table or whatever. But it's like, what table? What are you talking about? Yeah. Who? It's just like what empty meetings? buzzwords. So when people give him shit about it in nine months, he can be like, look, I told them they had the chance to remake police. Yeah, no, totally. But also, I it is interesting that there's no, there seems, I mean, here's the thing. I guess I haven't really gone extremely that far out of my way to figure it out, but it doesn't seem like that is actually on the discussion, on the table amongst like activists of being like, Okay, well, and, and I would say that it seems like it, it would be prudent to make sure that that particular conversation doesn't just turn into something that a bunch of nonprofits and like city yeah. council members are like, which oh, is cool. kind of like the catch 22, because I can't imagine that like anarchists and like street protesters are dying to sit down at a table with Andrew Cuomo's reform the police committee. So you're yeah. most likely going to end up with these fucking like liberals who went to college to make 60 grand a year working at a nonprofit. Yeah, totally. Or like, and how like the Occupy City Hall thing was to make, um, was to make, uh, him cut a billion from the, uh, police budget and, um, and they just funded, they increased it. They were yeah. like, they were they like, like, no, they, they were like, like shifted oh, yeah. money around to make it look like it was being cut, but it didn't actually. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Since we are running quite long, um, let's just dip into the protests in Portland briefly. Um, as we mentioned a little bit before, uh, Portland is going on, I believe it's their 57th straight day of protesting. Um, within the past like two days, things have started to escalate again. Um, and I do just want to give a shout out to everyone out there on the front line. Specifically, there have been a group of moms who have been kind of heading the front line of protests. Uh, they have been building a wall of moms uh, around protesters uh, chanting, uh, moms are here, fed, stay clear, and leave our kids alone. So, no. <laughs> like, you know that you've, you've really fucked up when you pissed off, like, a bunch of, like, moms from fucking Oregon, like... Yeah. Like, if moms from Oregon are chanting, Fed stay clear, like, what the fuck is going on in our country? Yeah. So yeah. We will be putting a link to the Portland Bail Fund in uh, the show notes. Um, they are currently at a little over a million dollars, which sounds like a lot, but they have been pretty uh, transparent about how they're spending it. I believe they've already spent a little over $200,000 just on bail fund or uh, bail fees and uh, lawyers and things like that up to this point. And there have been a, a massive number of arrests within the last day or two because of these protests. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to, um, if you want to help out the situation in Portland, uh, we will be sharing that GoFundMe, like Teddy said. Um, and in the meantime, 
I just want to say thank you for listening to Chumbology. This was a hell of an episode. My (laughs) front door broke in the middle of it, and I feel like things just kind of went from there. Hey, things got even Um, more unhinged. (laughs) Fuck you, Dom. Get out of (laughs) here. Um, I want to say uh, that the music you heard in this episode uh, is the song Give the Anarchist a Cigarette from Chumbawamba's studio album Anarchy. It's a fucking banger. We don't have the rights to it, but can anyone really own a banger? Yeah, exactly. That's my question for you to think Bangers about uh, this people. week. Chumbawamba Bangers belong is, to the people. <laughs> Chumbawamba is the ultimate band to be doing a podcast like this with because it's like, oh, what yeah. are they going to give you a takedown notice? It's like, come <laughs> yeah, on, right. then we'd have to write yeah. an angry song about them. We're we're following. We might get into iffy territory once we get to like the major label album, but we'll cross that yeah. bridge when we yeah, get exactly. to it. We're we're followed by Chumbawamba on Twitter, um, or at least most of the members of it. So I, I figure we're in the clear. If they wanted us yeah. to stop, they would have tweeted at us by now. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook or Facebook. Whoa. <laughs> no, you cannot find us yeah, on. We Facebook. have no Facebook energy uh, presence. <laughs> Fuck Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> You can you can find us on Twitter at Chumbology Rocks, or you can email us at ChumbologyPod at gmail.com. Uh, we've also got a Patreon, patreon.com slash Chumbology, and you can find us there. Give us your support, but um, we post bonus content there. If you donate to the Portland Bail Fund or any like Black uh, Lives Matter activism organization um, or any of these bail funds across the country that need your assistance um, and send us a receipt of that donation, we will send you all of the bonus content uh, in exchange for that, you know as an incentive um dom do you have anything you want to plug or anything else you want to tell our listeners about i don't think we mentioned Um, it at all but dom in addition to being a tattoo artist is also one of my favorite musicians hell yeah um that video of you like doing one of your sets while skateboarding is one of my favorite things (laughs) i've ever seen (laughs) hell yeah that was almost exactly a year ago actually damn yeah um yeah i guess i don't know i have honestly okay this is been getting into the fact that I have a website, Ooh, which is yeah. which is uh, domrabelais.com. Hell yeah! Um, which I guess you can find via my Twitter, which is uh, real Dominic underscore real underscore Dominic. But like, I don't know. It, social media fucking sucks, asshole. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't like it. I it bums me out every time I every time I get onto social media and I find that I've just been scrolling for a while and just been like assaulted by just like the worst kind of cultural conversation that like does not do anything for anybody largely. Um, So I've just been like, you know what? I'm going to try and like stay away from that as much, but I still, I (laughs) still tweet idiot thoughts constantly, but basically like for, for like things that I'm interested or like projects that I'm working on. Cause I've been making, I've been making a shitload of paintings and Hell have been yeah. like yeah. selling those and donating. I donated a bunch to. I donated a thousand dollars to the Dine Water and Food. Uh, it's a it's a group of like a mutual aid group of Dine people and uh, delivering like food and water to the Navajo Nation to people in the Navajo Nation for like they are extremely struggling with coronavirus. Um, like yeah. uh, truly like impacted it like way harder than any other population. 
Um, so I've been selling paintings for like 50 bucks and then donating my money to that. Also, me and Tabby sold a bunch of paintings and raised $1,445 for Glitz. Hell Inc. yeah. Um, which they they got a shitload of money. I mean, they got they're doing fine as far as their fundraiser <laughs> goes. Um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, a thousand of that is uh, from me and Tabby. So yeah, been been making a shitload of paintings in quarantine. In addition to my fucking stupid job indexing books. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so listeners out there, buy a painting from Dom. Commission yeah. them to to uh, index your book. <laughs> Domrably.com, baby. Encyclopedia. Listen, Dom. Once, once I finally write my scholarly like a book about Chum Chumbawamba, you best believe I'm gonna call you up to index. Hell yeah! No, I can totally. I'm qualified. Yeah, and uh, when when all this ends, go get a tattoo from Dom so we can be tattoo Eskimo cousins. Hell yeah! yeah. All right. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Tom. This was great. Thank you. <laughs> Anything else? Any any fun. closing thoughts, Tom? Uh, I, so I've already had so many thoughts. <laughs> Too many thoughts. Chum- brain empty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel. I feel like after after sitting here and talking to y'all for the past like two hours, I've got to like go watch like a monster truck compilation. Oh my or god, that's awesome. just to balance out my chakras or something. Hell yeah. <laughs>